to get off on this adventure, I'm going to take you an adventure that starts with some brokenness, but really leads to an understanding of peace. And so I'm excited to take this adventure with you. But before I jump down that rabbit hole, there is something I do want to read to you real quick. And so it's a little bit heavy on the theological side, but it kind of lays a foundation for where I'm going to go with my message. And so let me just read this out to you guys real quick. It says, humanity is fairly straightforward. When we want something to happen, we will for it to take place. When we do something, we have shown our will in the matter. God's will is a little more complex. In fact, theologians see three different aspects of God's will in the Bible. His sovereign will, his revealed will, and his dispositional will. God's sovereign will, or decretive will, is, will also, is also called his hidden will, or his sovereignty, that, is, that it shows God to be the sovereign ruler of the universe so that nothing happens outside of his sovereign will. Um, the next aspect of God's will is his decretive will, and that we get a lot through with the Bible, things like that. We really learn the lessons that how God wants us to operate as we're making decisions between right and wrong and what to do and you know how to show light and love to the world around us. Um, and so we can look to the Bible for his decretive will, but the one I want to focus on is his dispositional will. And that's things that happen outside of God's desires. We know God desires that all should have everlasting life and that none should perish. But in our free will, he gives us the choice to choose him or to choose otherwise. And so within my message, it is strengthened by the understanding of his dispositional will in relation to his sovereign will. There is nothing that's going to happen outside of God's sovereign will and his plan for your life. And so, with that being said, we can start a little bit of the journey of how and where and who I came to know God and the brokenness that associated with all of it. And so it doesn't start with complete brokenness. Um, when I was a kid, about five or six, I started attending a Christian daycare, which was a big deal for me, um, especially with my family, because there was nobody that was Christian in my family. Um, nobody was after a relationship with God or out seeking him. So the fact that I ended up in a Christian daycare, to me, speaks of God's sovereignty. Um, we know God reaches out for those that he wants, and he's always at the door knocking. And so for him to place me somewhere where I had the chance to get to know him was a beautiful gift for me. And at that age, and with what they were teaching, I started developing an understanding of what our Father in heaven looks like that God is our Father, that He loves us, He's there to care for us, and there, he, he is there to help walk us through every step and every broken situation and every blessing that we'll ever experience in our life. And so with that understanding, I look to God for all things, you know, and I'm at a young age, and so you gotta kinda look at it in terms of children and their parents. I looked to my parents knowing that they were going to feed me when I was hungry. They were going to clothe me when I needed clothes. They were going to get me to school. They were going to make sure that I was operating in all these areas that help facilitate my growth. And so God, within his sovereignty, is doing the same thing. And so my perspective of God at a very young age was that he was a loving father who was always going to be there for me regardless of what I faced. Unfortunately, life tends to throw some hiccups along the way. We run into situations that are beyond our understanding, and it can really become easily easy to lose heart. And so when I was about 13, and God in his sovereignty, my grandpa, who was like my father figure, my best friend, my closest relationship, he passed away. 
And to me, in understanding God's sovereignty, I got angry at God. I blamed him for what I didn't understand. And so during that time frame, and being an adolescent and being as angry as I was, I gave God the finger pretty much. I knew he was there. I knew he was supposed to love me, and we had all promises written in the Bible, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't understand, and I didn't know why he would take somebody that was so close to me, especially at such a pivotal age. And so I started to become angry and disconnected with God, looking at the situation that he was a father up there, kind of like a, a child with a magnifying glass burning ants. He was just out to punish us. He didn't really care. My perspective started to become hindered and broken. And the devil, within that time frame, decided to join in in that battle. And uh, within that, my dad, who I'd never met, came and promised a bunch of stuff and disappeared. My mom's husband, our new boyfriend at the time, uh, didn't really get along with me all that well, especially when he was drinking. And so there are a few occasions where he decided to slam me around. Um, and within that, I felt my mom kind of chose him for allowing him to do that. And so I just kept running into situations where I felt like nobody really loved me, even God, that God had taken my grandpa. My mom chose other men over me. My, my dad promised things. You know, all these things were unfolding around me. And the only thing that my heart would pick up is that I must not be lovable. I, I must, there must be something wrong with me that God doesn't love me. My family doesn't love me. And so I'm the only one that can look out for myself. And so within that, I started making decisions that were based on that aspect, is if no one else is going to look out for me, well, I'm going to look out for myself. And so my brokenness, my broken heart created frustration towards God because of my lack of understanding. Um, this, these strongholds the devil was trying to create within me were starting to build the need of approval from the people around me. Um, I'd make decisions based on fear, worry, um, frustration, um, and sometimes those decisions were seemingly unimportant. You know, I would see or think something would be beneficial for me, and so I would go jump off that bridge thinking, well, that's what's going to be better for me. I don't need to listen to anybody else. I don't need to listen to God, so I'm going to go do that. And so I started creating this broken cycle that really generated for a lot of years. I spent a lot of years in pain, you know, trying to hide it from the world. I didn't want any of my friends, any, anybody to know what was going on. And so I put on this facade, this mask that uh, allowed me to pretend to be okay regardless of who I was around. But really what was going on inside is I was trying to gain relationships with the world around me to help fill my own self-worth because I felt that nobody else loved me, so why would I love myself? So as long as I could get other people to acknowledge me, I felt like there was something worth anything in my life. And that's a really disappointing and a sad way to live, you know, especially when we know that God is there and in his promises, it all matters. And so for years after that, I tended to keep making choices that were for what I deemed my own purpose, my own well-being, my own salvation. I wanted it. That's what I was going to live for. You know, I needed to get there. It's what the world tells me I need to look like, so I'm going to try to do that. And really, it just kept me setting me up for what looked like failure from my own perspective. I kept falling. I, you know, think, you know, things would implode. This wouldn't work out. But all along, God was walking me through 
lessons that he wanted to teach me. And really, it didn't come about until I became old enough to try to, to be able to understand what was going on around me, what God was leading me into, and why he would allow some of the things that happened in my life. And so because of what was going on, God really helped me to develop an understanding of surrender. And through that surrender, helped lead me to peace. But the desire that called me to get there was some of Paul's writing in Philippians on how he was able to be content in any situation. And I'll read that for you right now. It's actually in Philippians 4. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whenever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so here I am sitting with years of brokenness to look back on, understanding how am I supposed to be content in this situation. Our life can turn around and implode in a minute. You know, someone we deeply care about makes up a story or, you know, someone that we deeply care about um, moves away or we lose a family member or we wreck a car or, I mean, the situations can, and the list can go on and on, but ultimately there's a lot that can happen in life where we come to a position where we don't understand what's going on. And so I was looking at Paul and his writings wondering, well, how did you get there? How can you be content in any situation regardless of what you're facing? Because here I am sitting in more broken situations, looking back on years of broken situations, and you're telling me to be content. Well, I didn't understand how to do that. And so within that desire of reaching out to God saying, please, God, help me understand what Paul was talking about. Help give me clarification on how I can live a life of peace regardless of what I happen to be facing. And so that's where God reached in and really helped give me a message that brought around a lot of understanding. And this equation is really simple at first. It, it all basically comes down to surrender. But the equation in itself is acceptance plus trust equals faith. And so if we're looking at situations or we wake up and we're facing a Goliath or another bad day, instead of starting to become worried or anxious or fearful or uncertain of what's going to happen or what the outcome may be, I can set all that fear, worry, and anxiety down by simply applying this equation to my situation. I can say, okay, God, here I am with you. You're asking me to walk in faith and to fight the good fight of faith, but I feel like I have none. You know, I've experienced so much brokenness that I don't even know how to fight the good fight of faith. And you're saying that faith is what pleases you. And so I am walking in ways that will help me understand what you're asking of me. And so, Lord, here I am in this position right now facing this dilemma. And I'm going to trust that you have a purpose in all things. And so we'll go back to part of God's will about his dispositional will and things that happen outside of his desires. There may be a situation that I walk myself into. It may be a situation where somebody else hurt me. But no matter what the situation is, it is never above or beyond God's sovereign will. And God can turn and use all things for good according to his purposes. 
And so very simply, when I start running into anything that comes against me or what I feel comes against my peace or my understanding, I, I look to God in acceptance that there's purpose in what he is trying to walk me through. That with every situation, whether it's a part of his desires or outside of his desired will, he allows it, and if he allowed it, then there's a purpose or a lesson or a blessing associated with that. So I can take any situation that I'm in and apply it to acceptance. Simply say, okay, God, I'm gonna accept that I am right here right now. Just like I'm up here right now. Like I said, I'm not a public speaker, so being up here, I'm trying to keep my nerves down. But here I am in the situation with God, accepting that he put me here with a purpose, on purpose. And so with that, acceptance is really key to this equation, to understanding that, okay, I want to find peace. I want to walk with God regardless of what I face, and I want to do it with the understanding that this is for my benefit, whether it seems like that or not. And so acceptance is key in any situation, right from the beginning, saying, okay, Lord, I'm here with you right now. And even in the Bible, there's a few levels of acceptance that we can co go kind of look around and gain an understanding of. Um, one of them is specifically from Jesus. And this is in Matthew 26. And it's a story right before he's getting, he's being ready to be sacrificed on the cross. Um, and so it says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, see here while I go pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebi, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and praying, saying, O oh, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, the second time he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. The one word that spoke to me very powerfully as God was really teaching me this message was a very simple word to bypass, and that's the word nevertheless. And within that word, and God saying, or Jesus praying to God saying, if it can be done, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. That word nevertheless shows me Jesus' level of acceptance. He was sitting there in a situation he did not want to face. He knew it was absolutely necessary. He knew that he needed to go up on that cross to help move God's will forward so that we may all find salvation, peace, and hope through the name of Jesus. And so Jesus, even in his turmoil, sweating blood, was sitting there saying, God, I need your help. If I don't have to face this, please don't make me, but it's a part of your will. And so there are things that we're gonna walk through in life that God has destined for each of us to experience. And part of that experience comes back to the Lord being our potter and us being the clay. He is molding us, conforming us, changing us so that we may reflect the image of his son to the world. And sometimes that process can be very painful. See, the biggest part of acceptance 
is learning to associate God's perspective above our own. There are things that we're gonna walk into that us feel absolutely miserable. They're terrible. Everybody feels like they're turning, turning their backs on us. Our world is falling apart. Things aren't working. We wanted to do this and it blew up. And so we're over here trying to do that. And no matter what we do, we can't win. But God has a lesson and a sovereignty and a message that's associated with all of that. And so just like Jesus had to do, as we're walking into circumstances that may be beyond our understanding of knowing why we're there, we can acknowledge the fact that we are there with God. And if we are there with God, then God has something for us to learn and grow and help mold us into the adults and the people and the, um, the people that God is trying to create within us so that we may reflect the love and light to the world around us that is severely broken. You know, we can walk outside and look almost in any direction and see pain and suffering, people hurting. And a lot of times it's people that are hurting and suffering don't know that there's a better way. They don't know Jesus. They don't know that this level of surrender and even some of the stuff that they've been experiencing has a purpose. Sometimes there's real purpose in the pain. We just don't, might not gain that understanding until we've made it through the struggle. And so bringing light back to Jesus and his understanding of saying, okay, God, nevertheless, your will be done. We can choose to have that same attitude regardless of what we face. So in applying acceptance, trust, and walking out faith, I say, okay, God, here I am, but I'm here with you, and we can do it together. There is a simple yet powerful word hidden among this passage, a statement that became an action. He chose in that moment to accept that God the Father's will for his life. He said in that torment, God, I accept that I need to die on the cross to free your children from bondage. He chose to accept all your sin so you may have a life filled with love shared with him. Sorry, I'm trying to get back to my story. And so... With acceptance, there is a lot that can go into it. And you guys are going to have to take this message and kind of go home and walk it out and pray about it and work it out with God because we all face different challenges. But I do want to give you the hope that no matter what you're facing, whether it's a part of God's sovereign will or it's outside of his disposition or it's a part of his dispositional will and not quite his desires, he still knows that it's going to serve a purpose. There's nothing that's going to come against God that is gonna be able to hinder or stop his plan or purpose for your life. And so we need to take hold on that fact. The devil is out there seeking those he may devour. It doesn't mean he can come torment you and hurt you and break your life unless you give him the open door to do so. He might be able to come and raise red flags and wreak havoc that might bring fear, worry, and anxiety into your life, but we don't have to open that door for the devil. We can choose to say, okay, God, right now, I accept where you've placed me, Forget what he's saying, I'm gonna to look to you. Just like Peter did when he, when he stepped out of the boat. All he needed to do was look at Jesus and keep his eyes on, focused on him instead of the storm. And that's all that God is asking us to do. Really, God asks us to do very little except trust in him. And so part of that is accepting that where God has placed us in this moment has benefit to where we're walking and who we're growing into. The second part of this equation has to do with trust. And trust is kind of a big deal. You know, every day we encounter new people, we encounter new situations, 
And it all kind of begins with the choice. You can choose to trust God, or you can choose to pick up the worry and anxiety and try to fix the problem yourself. But God is standing right there with you, trying to help give you the answers and the directions to help see you through this dilemma that you're facing. And so there in purpose in learning to walk these steps out so that we can fight the good fight of faith. Because our faith is in God. First Timothy says, for God has not grown us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so those are the kind of scriptures that I would look at and associate with in trying to develop an understanding that I'm called to fight the good fight of faith, but I didn't know how. And so these little messages all throughout the Bible were what fueled my desire to understand, to be able to walk in peace with God, regardless of what I was facing. And even when you can't see it, God is always working. There's a lot of things that he protects us from that we don't even know about, but there's also things that he does allow in choices that we make because the consequences become the lesson. And so we can't write off any situation that we're in. We need to look in hope and in favor that God has purpose in what we're experiencing. So in helping clarify some of this message, I wanted to share a story with you that helps reflect a lot of the points I'm trying to make. And I'm also worried that there's a lot of points I'm trying to make that I'm throwing it all to you guys really fast. And so I apologize for that. But within this, we can do a little question and answer when we're done if we need to. But this story is really important for helping understand accepting and trust in the situations that we're facing. And if you guys haven't had a chance to read it yet, it's a story of Joseph. And it's in uh, the book of Genesis. And I'll give you a quick rundown of Joseph's life and what he experienced. And we start the story with Joseph had a dream, two dreams actually, where God filled him with the prophecy that he was going to reach this place, even though he was still back at this place. And so from there, Joseph experienced a lot of brokenness that kind of just got thrown in his face really fast. His brothers, who were part of his family, close relation with him, they became envious towards him because of the dreams, because of the way his, their father had given him favor over the others. And so Joseph's brothers, bro, brothers plotted to kill him. Luckily, Reuben, one of Joseph's brothers, stepped in there at an opportune time to help hinder and stop their brother's motivation of just taking Joseph's life completely. Reuben stepped in and said, we can't do this. This is wrong. We need to figure out something else which I see God's hand at work in. God had given Joseph the promises, and here Satan is at work in confrontation and conflict, working in the lives of the brothers. But here God is stepping in, not allowing Satan to supersede what God had planned, given to Joseph through the dreams. And so Reuben's intervention helped lead Joseph to becoming a slave, which doesn't sound beneficial or exciting, or something that I would like to entertain, but it is something that was a step in God's sovereign purpose from the dreams that he had given Joseph. From here, we get Joseph, he goes into Egypt, and Joseph becomes a uh, servant at, I can never pronounce the name, Papatar's home. And within that home, Joseph encounters another spirit of conflict where the poplar's wife 
comes against him and starts accusing Joseph of rape because she wanted to find a little more within the relationship than what he was willing to offer. Do you want me to explain? <laughs> and so Joseph, while he's being imprisoned, he, even within, even within where he was placed, he was sold into slavery. Now he's a servant at this house. God found favor. God, God was with him. The Bible says that everywhere he went, Joseph was with him. And so within that, God's purpose was being fulfilled. And so Joseph, in his humble attitude, needed to accept everywhere that God placed him all along his journey. And so we go from there, and the false imprisonment are the false accusations, which lead him into imprisonment in the Pharaoh's house. And from there, we get more story where uh, the baker and uh, the, uh, there we go, the cupbearer end up in prison where Joseph helps them determine some dreams, which the baker then, two years later, is able to share with Pharaoh what had happened and how it had helped move and motivate and the prophecy become fulfilled. And so Joseph interpreted the dreams. Uh, from there, we can see that because of the connection between the breaker and Pharaoh and Joseph's ability to prophesize the Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph moves forward in his story, which ultimately comes about to him being second in command. And so I want to break that down a little bit and share a little bit to you, with you what the Bible actually says during this whole time frame. And in Genesis 37, it says, Joseph had a dream, and he, he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear the dream which I have dreamed. There, there we were, standing sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for, this, for his dream and for his words. And so we have to look at this situation that God had given Joseph this dream. And now the contention and the evil and the brokenness is spreading throughout Joseph's family. And so Joseph ends up falling to succumbing to their decisions, whether, whether slavery and imprisonment and so on and so forth. And we go from there and it gets into Poplar's house, Popatar's house. And it says, what? There we go, Potiphar, there we go. I can never say that regardless. Genesis 39 says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did prosper. And in his hand, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. And so we can see Joseph finding favor in God outside of the circumstances that he was experiencing. And each situation, each step that Joseph took from one hardship to the next hardship was leading to God's glory. And so we have to take our circumstances, our trials, and try to surrender them to the hands of God 
knowing that he can use all things for good according to his purposes. The big thing that helps us find peace is understanding that from his perspective. What he knows is perfect for us in our growth is, may seem miserable and completely without understanding from our perspective. And sometimes it's not our job to understand. Sometimes it's our job to take that step of faith with God, with our eyes focused on Jesus, knowing that even though the situation looks bad, God has purpose in it and he's leading it for what will be beneficial to me or for the people around me. And so my struggles with God and with the way it led me helped me gain an understanding of what God was asking from me in any situation. And very simply, it came down to accept and trust, which gave me the ability to fight the good fight of faith, which was something I felt like I had no power to do on my own. I was lost, I was broken. Everything around me seemed to hurt me. Everybody around me seemed to not love me. The brokenness that I was walking through just seemed almost impossible. And there were moments that I wished it was over. Not that I was suicidal, not that I wanted my life to end, but man, I was so tired of it. I was so tired of the pain, so tired of the struggle and the people hurting me. And the big part of all of that came down to my lack of understanding. If I could take what I knew now and take it back then, I might have operated differently throughout some of those situations. But with God, each step we take with him produces growth. And so I needed to take those steps with God to help give me the understanding where I could look at Paul's writings, question it, and reach out to God for the desire to just understand how to live in peace with him. Now my life is spent in so much peace, there is nothing I worry about. I don't care whether I have a dollar in the bank or a million dollars in the bank. I don't look at somebody when they hurt me that they're the fault and I need to be mad at them. I take a step back and I say, okay, God, this is another lesson or another situation. How can I walk through it and reveal your light in this situation? How can I bring your glory and, and beauty to what seems dead and broken? And so this equation took a lot of struggle to get through and develop. But with each step I took, it became more of what is now my foundation in faith. There is nothing that I will experience that I don't immediately set down and say, okay, God, I'm gonna accept trust and faith. And so with all that, it helped clarify some very real questions that I had in regards to the Bible and how I'm supposed to operate a certain way when I feel a certain way. And so with this equation, I now understand what James was talking about in the very beginning in James 1 when he says, I consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Lacking nothing, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That, five years ago, would have been a verse that was almost in conflict with my spirit because of the lack of understanding of how to get there. My issues is I picked up 
all the storms that were around me thinking that I needed to fix them all. That because this brokenness was happening, that I must be really broken, which influenced the fact that if all this is happening around me and I'm this broken, I must really not be loved. God stepped in to show me that it was not for lack of love that he was allowing me to walk myself into situations or he was allowing situations to unfold in my life, but he was using those situations for my benefit and my growth to show me that he had been there the whole time teaching me step by step that I can trust, accept, and just simply surrender all that I am, all that I have, and all that I will be to God in any given moment, which gives me the ability to walk in peace regardless of what I face. And I think that's about it. So, like, like I did say, there was a lot of information I'm throwing at you fast, and this is my first time up here, and so really this is just as much growth for me as it is being able to share it with you guys because I get to walk out some of these kinks that I'm trying to figure out that are in place. So with all that, questions are always good. I spit a lot of information at you guys very quickly, and I tried to keep it coherent, but I think sometimes I bounced, and so that is okay. If you guys have questions, please feel free to ask me because that helps me relay the message that I was trying to share with you guys in a more coherent manner so you guys can understand. You good with like a few minutes of question time? Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. If any of you have a question for him, we'll, we'll take like five people. So if any of you have a question and you want to ask it now, come on up here and ask the question. And it can be anything. If anyone's got one. It can be in regards to the message. It could be you're dealing with the circumstance that you might not understand right now and you want to know how I might apply this message. It could be anything. So don't be scared to come ask me this question because really we're all in this together to grow together. And so I'm here for you guys. (laughs) All right. She's scared of the mic. (laughs) Whisper it to me. You can whisper it to me. It's not really a whispering matter, but okay, I just, um, like, so you had, like, a rough childhood after you lost your grandpa, like, and then that affected you at all? Like, how long did it take you to, like, get back on track and stuff like that? Well, here's the thing about that situation. As mad and angry as I got with God, and we got to look at this and think about it in a teenage, teenage standpoint to a parent standpoint, there are times our parents tell us we can or cannot do nothing or we shouldn't do this or you're grounded or whatever. And we get so furious that we're slamming doors and we're yelling and we're yelling, I hate you and all those kind of things. That was my attitude towards God. It never made God not exist for me. He was still there. But I, in my anger, was turning my back away from God, thinking that I needed to find and do things to take care of myself. But within all that, God was chasing me down. He followed me no matter how far I tried to run away. And it says in Psalms 139 that we can never escape God. You know, no matter whether I'm rising up or sitting down or if I've made my bed in hell or if I'm not, you are there. And that is one aspect that really helped find the foundation of my faith was coming to the understanding that God, no matter how much I ran away from him, still chose to follow me 
and help use all the brokenness I was experiencing to develop an understanding within me that I could use later to deal with new circumstances um, and new hardships. And so my anger turned into frustration, which turned my back against him. But no matter what I did, anytime I got myself in trouble or anytime I found myself in a low spot, the Bible was always my comfort. And so God and his sovereignty and his desires reaching into my heart was using my trials and my circumstances to reach in and connect with me. And so every time I was put in time out, it was God's way of saying, okay, now I need your attention. And so it didn't matter that I turned my back on God. God was chasing me, but I still always acknowledge the fact that he was there, whether I liked him at the moment or not. Just like your parents are there, whether you like them in the moment or not. All right, CJ. What you got? So, how is uh, pain struggled in your life? Like, what causes did it affect you? Yes, there. I think the hardest part of my life was feeling unloved by everybody, and including God. So how has pain affected you, and did you ever feel like suicidal, like you wanted to kill yourself? I have had moments where I did not want to be alive anymore. I've never been to the point of suicidal because of I know what that would do to the world around me. And so no matter how bad I may not want to be alive, that selfish act was never something that's built within me. But the biggest issue that I had to do in dealing with pain and struggling and trying to navigate myself through the world was feeling like I was not worthy of love. That the actions of my mom and the people and the ones that were supposed to love you, that brokenness fueled that I'm not loved. And then also with God and my lack of understanding, taking away my grandpa just felt like he was being mean to me and that you know I was just destined to be broken and unloved. And so that stronghold really set itself up in my foundation. So as I was getting older and I was in my 20s and 30s, the moment somebody showed me any kind of compassion, I would melt. Like I would break. Like tears would instantly start falling. Because to me, that love that you were showing me was unworthy. I, I was not worthy of it. And so the fact that you could love me broke everything to the point of just feeling like a young child again. You know, just, you know, insecure and unsure and just scared to a certain extent. And so it took a lot of work with God to understand that I was never unloved through all my brokenness, that God was using all my brokenness as new lessons to gain and understanding that I could use later to reach back and help others. And so it really took its toll and a lot of time to develop 
a foundation where I didn't concern myself with whether the world loved me. I only concerned myself with that fact that God loved me. And so it took a lot.